0: The words of Aga, son of Jagger, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers, There are those who are clean clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters, give and give, they cry. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up, a slave when he becomes king and a fool when he is filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. Four things on earth are small, but they're exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in in king's palaces. Three things are stately in their tread, four are stately in their stride. The lion, which is mightiest among beasts, and does not turn back before any, the strutting cock, the he-goat, and a king whose army is with him. If you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth, for pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. I am too stupid to
1: be a man. We have spent six weeks in Proverbs learning about wisdom. Life is about decisions, Um, from what you put in your diary to what you've said in conversations, uh, all the way to how you solve problems day to day. You've made hundreds of them already today. And wisdom is what you need to make those decisions into good choices. Do you know how to read a room? Do you understand cause and effect? Are you wise? Proverb says that you should want to be, you should want to be wise. Wisdom isn't just for your grandparents, it's not just for people who like reading books. Wisdom is for people who are interested in eating tomorrow. Wisdom is for people who want friends. Wisdom is for people who want to pay the rent. Wisdom leads to good choices, which leads to good outcomes. If you lack wisdom, you make bad choices and you suffer the consequences. And then good for us that Proverbs is all about how to grow in wisdom, how to get more of it. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs says, is the beginning of knowledge. Every wise decision, it starts with an obedient heart towards the God who made you. And once you've got that straight, Proverbs chapters 10 through 29, and the actual Proverbs themselves, they fill in some of the gaps, some of the detail, some practical considerations, for every situation, every decision process, everything you need to think through. Things like how you should be careful before you jump to conclusions, things like um, how to tell when your friend is lying to you, things like the value of thinking before you open your mouth. And after 20 chapters and close to 600 proverbs aimed at making us wise, the conclusion in chapter 30 is that it has not worked. Proverbs 30 verse one. The words of Agur, son of Jaca, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. We don't know much about Agur or his Uh, dad, Jaca. I don't think they come up anywhere else in the Bible. But these are the words of a man who has tried his best to be wise and failed. And the process has left him so jaded and frustrated um, that he's decided that if humanity was supposed to be wise, then he must be too stupid to be counted among them. Agur's words in chapter 30 begin a two-part conclusion to the book of Proverbs. And the conclusion is not what you might expect, but it is important. Proverbs would be a very different book if it ended like one of those before and after body transformation photos. And you found Agur delighted and living his best life after 30 days on the Proverbs. Um, instead, we find him close to tears and crying out, not knowing what to do with his life. Some endorsement. Next week in chapter 31, we might be more hopeful and we get to the second part of the conclusion. But chapter 30 is all about expectation management. That is the aim for tonight, to come to terms with the limits of our wisdom and the frustrations that will come with trying to be wise. Here is my main point for Proverbs chapter 30. Wisdom is beyond you. That is the conclusion of Proverbs. Whatever you think of your ability to make wise decisions uh, and to prosper from them, Whatever you think of that, it is time to lower your expectations. However smart you think you are, however hard you try, however you struggle day to day to be wise, um, it is a struggle. Um, You will not manage it consistently. That is a big conclusion. It's important to understand exactly what he means and what this does not mean. And to see that, I think we need to get our heads around Agur's situation. So it's obvious from verses one to three that this man has failed to be wise. He repeats it in several different ways. He is stupid, he doesn't have understanding, he hasn't got knowledge, he hasn't learned wisdom. And if wisdom is what you need for good decisions and good outcomes, then we shouldn't expect much from Agar. If he was your friend, you would fear for him. If he worked in your office, you would keep an eye on him. But he's not this way for lack of effort. He clearly cares a lot about being wise. He wishes he could be. The chapter is an emotional, exasperated cry out to God. He may be stupid, but he's not happy about it. And if knowledge begins with fear of the Lord, I'd say that Agur starts in a pretty good place. He says some wonderful things about God in this chapter. so verse five, he believes that what God says is true. Verses eight and nine, he asks for God's help in fleeing temptation so that he won't deny him or profane his name. And whatever the second half of verse three is saying, I don't think it can be saying that he has no relationship with God whatsoever. Um, It might be that when he says he doesn't have knowledge of the Holy One, he means not as much as he hopes he would. I think the rest of the chapter rules out it being that he has no knowledge at all of God. So he wants to be wise, he fears the Lord. And because this confession comes at the end of 20 chapters of Proverbs in the middle, I take it that this is the experience of someone who knows the Proverbs. And maybe beyond just knowing them and reading them, I wonder if weary and worn out suggests that he's tried to put them into practice. Um, He's tried to take them on board. And even with the Proverbs, Wisdom is beyond him. Eger is not the village idiot. He is a God-fearing man who has worked desperately hard to be wise, and he's come up short. And I think the point of Eger at the end of the book is to function as a response to the Proverbs, uh, or as a comment on how we should expect to find the process of being wise and seeking wisdom. I don't think that Egger is just unlucky or having a bad day, but really when it comes to us, we'll do better and succeed where he failed. I think Eger is where you end up if you try to be wise. And I'm not sure this passage gives us um, much in the way of explicit reasons for why that is. Um, it doesn't explain, I don't think, very clearly why wisdom is beyond us. I think some context might help with that, so here are a few directions that we might go in off the back of context. You will know if you've been around that the book of Proverbs is set around the life of King Solomon, and with all the understanding of the world, King Solomon's heart led him into sin. He knew the right decisions, and he didn't make them because his heart chose evil. He knew that he wasn't supposed to store up too much gold. He knew he wasn't supposed to grow a massive army to flex his power. He knew he wasn't supposed to marry hundreds of idol worshippers, but he did it anyway. And if that is part of what has contributed to Egger's failure, I don't think we find that hard to relate to. Even when we know the right decision, we are tempted to choose the thing that our desires want instead. Maybe we've made a specific resolution one day, and we go into work thinking, today I will not get angry, today I will not think ill of my colleagues. And then when it comes to it, we just can't help ourselves. And maybe it's the heart problem, maybe it's the other big problem that the Bible explores around the life of Solomon, um, the problem of the world being cursed. We've thought about this plenty over the summer through Ecclesiastes, through the rest of the wisdom literature. But it is a fact that life is frustrating. Uh, Life is unpredictable. And even when we apply wisdom to a situation, it doesn't always turn out the way we hope if we've ever been sure that we've made the right decision and then we end up worse off because of it, then maybe we can understand why agar feels this way. Sometimes people refuse to lie at work and the consequence is they lose their job. And some God-fearing people get sick and die in their 20s. Some God-hating people die in mansions 100 years old. Wise choices don't always work out in good outcomes because God has cursed the world. Perhaps it's the heart problem, perhaps it's the curse problem, or perhaps it's just that we're a little bit clueless. And even if we mean well, we still don't know how to pick the right thing. Wisdom is an overwhelmingly big category to get your head around, to read every situation you're in with full perceptiveness and to have all the insight about the potential different ways your actions could lead to consequences and your words could result. I suspect for some of us, even just the process of reading and talking about the Proverbs over the last few weeks has felt overwhelming, maybe daunting, page after page of Proverbs that are often hard to decipher. How on earth are we supposed to take all of this on board for every moment of every day? Again, maybe that helps us understand why Agger feels the way that he does. If we've ever agonized over a decision, maybe through sleepless nights, talked about it, thought about it, and tried to think through every possible outcome, every aspect, and we still don't know what the answer is. I know I've had a couple of those over the summer, I imagine you guys can relate. So maybe it's our hearts, maybe it's the fact that the world is cursed, maybe it's just the fact that we are limited beings with limited understanding. I suspect actually it's probably a bit of all of those contributing to the fact that wisdom is beyond us. And look, the point is not that wisdom is completely beyond us and that you can't be wise at all um, or that all of your decisions will be as stupid as possible. The Proverbs will make you wiser and on the whole, they will lead to better outcomes if you take them to heart. But the point in chapter 30 is that you will not achieve a full grasp on it. Um, There are many times that you will misunderstand the situation that you're in. There are many times you'll pick the wrong outcome. There are many times you'll pick what seems to be the right outcome to you and it won't work out well. Often your good decisions will result in disappointment and frustration. So not saying that there's no wisdom to be gained, it's just that you won't get all the way there. There are limits, wisdom is beyond you. That is the big idea for tonight. And before we get to some clarifications, I want us to explore a few implications that might help us understand a little bit better what this means, particularly for our plans and our expectations for the future. If wisdom is beyond us, then we have less control over how our lives will go than we might like to think. So think of some decisions that you've made in the last month. I'll give you a second, just try and bring something to mind. Maybe you're thinking of a conversation you had with a friend. Maybe you're thinking about a decision of how to secure your assets or invest. Uh, Maybe a dispute at work and you needed to figure out whose side to take in that. Um, Pick a decision you thought about um, and where you actually thought about it and tried your best to come up with the right outcome, to choose the wisest course of action. Now, if it turned out well, do you realize that that decision quite easily could have just gone the other way Um, You don't actually have control over all of this. You might have overlooked a key detail without realizing it. Someone might not have told you the full story. Um, You might have done the right thing, been careful with your investments, only to see it blow up in your face for some unforeseen reason. If wisdom is beyond us, we do not have the control over our lives that we might have assumed. But it goes both ways. So if the decision went badly, do you realize that quite easily it could have gone the other way Um, And the problem might not have been that you were being an idiot. Um, There actually are times where you might make what seems to be the wisest decision and there is nothing you could have known to say that it was gonna go badly. Um, And if that's resulted in any sort of stress or grief or anxiety, um, maybe it's quite good to know that we don't have the control over these things that we often assume. And there might be something freeing freeing about accepting the limits of our wisdom. Or what if we move to another sphere, take it to our plans for later in life, um, where we want to be in 20 years, who we want to be there with, where we want to, to live maybe, the kind of job, the kind of lifestyle. For me, from a young age, I was trained to think that those dreams come into being after a series of well thought through wise decisions. Um, And so, if you didn't seem to be on track for any of them, then what you had to do is go back to the drawing board, figure out the decisions that'll lead to those outcomes, and try harder and harder. But if wisdom is beyond us, then maybe some of those dreams are too. Maybe we'll never figure out what decisions we'd need to make to arrive at a happy family living in a happy suburban home. Um, Maybe we'll never know um, how to decide uh, what to do now, that means that we won't have to worry about debts or rising costs in the future. The frustrations and disappointments of wisdom in this life means that we need to hold more loosely to our plans for the future and our vision of how our lives um, might go. Maybe another implication um, is that we should stop being fooled when we think other people are wise. And so if this is true for us, it's true for everyone. Um, It is easier, I think, to look up to people who seem successful, and when they seem successful, you assume they know what they're talking about, and so you listen to them for wisdom. But if we don't have control over how our lives go, neither do do they, and lots of people who seem successful online, particularly when you just get a snapshot of their success in 60 seconds, um, they'll tell you that it's because they follow this simple strategy and that you should too, and maybe then you can be like them but are they actually wise? Did they just get lucky? Could it be that they've got another month before it all goes wrong, um, and they're one step away from either a public scandal or a Bitcoin crash, and they could lose it all? I think this, this affects where we go for wisdom as well. Wisdom is beyond us. We should expect to struggle to make wise decisions and expect that the outcome of these decisions might disappoint us. That's the big idea. I think what the rest of the chapter does is qualify that slightly to make sure that we don't go too far with it um, and keep us from a few misunderstandings. Wisdom being beyond us, obviously that changes quite a lot. Maybe changes the course of what you thought you were learning in Proverbs this summer. But there are some things that it doesn't change, which we're gonna look at now. Proverbs 30 has a few considerations to stop us from drawing wrong conclusions from the frustrations of wisdom. So three clarifications. They're labeled on your sheets if you've got a handout. Um, But uh, Wisdom is beyond you, but God's promise still stands. Verses 5 and 6, Eger takes a break from the despair to look forward to a better future. Verse 5, every word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Wisdom might be beyond us now, but it won't be forever. Hagar knows this because he knows that God has promised. Verse five is referencing something said by Solomon's father, King David. Sometimes when part of the Bible wants you to think of another part of the Bible, there's an explicit as it is written. Sometimes there's a kind of, as it says in the prophets, as it says in the law. Here, he's just using the same language as a famous song from earlier in the Bible, sung by King David. Um, Don't worry about looking it up. Um, But it's from 2 Samuel, uh, it's from 2 Samuel chapter 22. I'm going to read it to you. Keep an eye on Proverbs 30 verse 5. See how close it matches. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. So Eger is referencing King David's victory song after God delivered him from his enemies um, into peace. And this reference helps us to understand what word Agur is referring to in verse five. Because it is not just a generic thing about what God says is true and you can trust the Bible. It's more specific. And the word that Agur is referencing is the same word that David references in his song. Um, And it is the promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel 7, that he would establish a king from among David's sons to rule forever in a peaceful and perfectly blessed kingdom. Maybe that would feel a little bit out of the blue in Proverbs, but from chapter one, we've been talking about Solomon, the son of David, being trained to be a wise king so that people can benefit from living under his rule, from the blessings that brings. Agur's attempts at wisdom have ended in tears, but he finds hope in God's promise to David because he knows that the frustrations he's experiencing with wisdom are temporary. And we might not experience true wisdom now, but God has promised there will be a wise kingdom and a wise king to rule it. And everything will work on wisdom there, not like here. And everything will result in the blessings of wisdom there and not like here. God's word always proves true and he's promised. And the clarification is that our frustrations with wisdom now don't call off that future promise. Um, With the New Testament, We know this, we know Jesus is God's promised king. He is the wise, perfectly wise king. It will be his perfect kingdom where every decision works out for good and reward and blessing. And I said part two of this conclusion, chapter 31 next week focuses more on that hope for the future, more on the positive. But I think what this does in chapter 30 is to tell us why it's okay to come to terms with reality and the frustrations of living to be wise. Um, It is frustrating, it will wear you out. You might not know what you're doing with your life day to day, but it is not without hope. And as you struggle with wisdom now, it will grow a sense of longing in you for the day that Jesus perfects his kingdom and it's established in full. That's the first clarification. Um, The second one is for what we do in the meantime. So wisdom is beyond us, but sin is still a bad idea. Um, You'll see we're looking, uh, I think, from verses 7 to 17 for this one. Um, We're going to go through it quickly, because I think you could just take these verses away, read it for yourself, and kind of get the point. But the imperative through the verses time and time again is to stay away from folly and to stay away from sin. So verse 8, we'll scan through. Verse 8, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Verse 10, do not slander a servant to his master. Or verses 11 to 14, he acknowledges what the rest of the world is like living like this. Um, there are those who curse their fathers. There are those who are not washed of their filth. There are those whose teeth are swords to devour the poor from off the earth. And Edgar knows in verse 17 that this will end badly. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. So we might not be able to be fully wise, but these verses establish that sin is still always a bad idea. Um, The frustrations of wisdom don't take us back to square one where we don't have a single clue how to approach any decision. We do still know some stuff. Um, It is still true that fearing the Lord will always be the wise course of action. It is still true that not listening to God is always a foolish decision. And I think these verses are helpful for showing us why Eger's conclusion doesn't just rip apart the rest of the book and make it not true anymore. Wisdom is beyond us now. We are waiting for Jesus' kingdom where we will find it, but it is still right to avoid sin. And I would suggest still wise to take on board the proverbs of the chapters in between as much as you can. There are no guarantees. I think that's what Eger's saying. Um, but they are the best course of action if you want your life to go well. They're your best bet. And final clarification is to make sure that we don't point the finger at wisdom over our frustration. So wisdom is beyond you, but wisdom is still clearly out there. And I'll confess, after, chapter eight, uh, after verse 18, the chapter gets a bit weird. And when I first read it, I thought poor Edgar was losing his mind and falling to pieces. And um, because he starts counting, so verse 18, three things are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. Verse 21, under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. Verse 24, four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. Verse 29, three things are stately in their tread, four are stately in their stride. And his counting is kind of equal parts about humanity and the animal kingdom. And at first reading it is bizarre. So here's just a suggestion of what it might be doing and what it might mean. I think that Eger knows that God made the world with wisdom. Um, He knows that. It says it in Proverbs chapter 8. Eger knows that God used wisdom to make the world. Eger knows that he has not been able to get wisdom. And yet Eger looks at the world and he can see the result of a clearly wise God running the world by wisdom and prospering its creatures by wisdom. Um, He knows that wisdom's handiwork is all over the world. So verse 18, the things that are too wonderful that he doesn't understand include how an eagle flies. My bet is that most of us don't know how that works either. But the point is that it clearly manages. It flaps its wings and it hits the clouds or how serpents live on a rock, or how ships sail across high seas. Eger doesn't know any of these things, or how when you put a man and a woman together on their wedding night, somehow they just figure it out. They know what they're doing. Eger does not have wisdom, but when you look at how well the world runs, clearly wisdom is out there, we can know that. And the mistake that I think this stops us from making is deciding that wisdom isn't real just because we haven't found it and we don't have it ourselves. And you might decide uh, then that it wouldn't matter if you were wise or not. And you might decide then that there's no such thing as a wise kingdom later. But if you want proof that Jesus, um, that you should be wise and that Jesus will deliver the kingdom, verse 25 says, how about look at the ants? They are so tiny, you could squish them in your fingers, and yet somehow they're wise enough to find food and survive in a world of bigger things that want to eat them. Um, somehow they work together. How do they do that? Wisdom at work. And I think you could follow through similar logic for some of these other verses in the counting. Um, But the point is that wisdom is beyond us, um, but it is not all chaos. Wisdom is out there. God clearly knows how to run the world in wisdom. God clearly knows how to bless people according to wisdom. He does it with the animal kingdom. He even does it sometimes with us. Um, So it is not all chaos, even if our lives seem to be. Wisdom is beyond us but it won't be forever. God's promise still stands. Sin is a bad idea. We can be somewhat wise. Um, There is um, some progress we can make and wisdom is clearly still out there. There's nothing fake or phony about wisdom. And after all the despair and frustration of living by God's wisdom, Edgar is clear that he would not prefer the alternative. That's where we're gonna end. The world is full of people who don't listen to God. They seem to prosper in their sin But in verse 32, Agur thinks they are clearly worse off. And having despaired for the rest of the chapter, he actually gets quite prickly in these last two verses. So here is Agur to the rest of the world. Verse 32, if you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you've been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, pressing anger produces strife. That verse 33 just means it's a dead certainty. Um, If you live in folly and you don't care about wisdom, it will not go well for you. So Proverbs 30 is a reality check. Choosing wisdom is difficult. Even with the Proverbs, you will not always know what to do. And your good decisions might work out badly. And if you're not sure about that, just try it for a week. Just try and live wisely and see how you find it. But God tells us about this, tells us what to expect so that we will long for the day that Jesus comes back to rule with all of the blessings of wisdom. And our frustrations now are to build our hope for that day. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are clear with us um, up front on what to expect from life in this world as we try to listen and try to be wise in your understanding. We pray that you would help us to believe it, that the world really is this way, that wisdom will be frustrating. We pray that we wouldn't be put off um, or uh, that we wouldn't be unpleasantly surprised if things don't go the way that we'd hoped, but that we would persevere with wisdom now. Please grow a sense of frustration in us now and stop us from placing our confidence in this world. Instead, grow our desire for the day that Jesus returns to finish his perfect wise kingdom. We pray that in his name. Amen.